This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Usually you're only allowed a foursome on the golf course, but here at At The Turn, we're doing a golf movie fivesome. Hello, Joe, Nick, and a very special guest joining us to talk about the legend of Bagger Vance, the 2000 film starring Will Smith, Matt Damon, and Charlize Theron. First of all, Nick, how are you? I'm good, Joe. I've been looking forward to this podcast all weekend. I probably spent about 15 hours of yard work over the weekend, um, since that's as far as I'm allowed out of the house. And um, this is this is a much welcome reprieve. How are you doing, Joe? How is uh, how is the uh, situation in, in Portland, Oregon? Well, we're not quite the epicenter, but we're damn close. It's uh, happening in Seattle. Word on the street is they're going to shut down the state. On Monday, we're recording this Sunday afternoon, um, Pacific time, nighttime on the East Coast. But Nick, you know, spirits are good. We're enjoying some nice entertainment. And without further ado, let me bring in our very special guest. They are double windowed right now on my screen on the Skype call from separate rooms. Nick Heidelberger and Ashley O'Brien Heidelberger. Ashley, how are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm wonderful. Thanks so much for finally having me on your podcast. Oh, it's great. I was just commenting before we started about how you have an intense podcaster look about you. You've got your vice golf cap. You've got the glasses. You've got the headphones. You've got the sweatsuit jacket. You are ready to record (laughs) a damn podcast. I also have a cat. Oh, what's that cat's name? Jack. Jack. Jack the cat. A nice yawn for the public right there. That was beautiful. Okay, so we are here to discuss. Hey, Joe, good luck keeping this on the rails. Yeah, you know, I'm going to try. I'm going to be honest with the audience. I've had four White Claws. I'm mm. sipping on a Maker's oh. Mark. It's 5 p.m. We're having a great time out in Portland. What a great weekend. Yeah. Okay. So we are gathered here to discuss the legend of Bagger Vance. As I said, released in 2000, Will Smith, starring the titular character, Bagger Vance, Matt Damon, as Ranoff Judah and Charlize Theron as Adele, indiscernible last name, directed by Robert Redford. <laughs> yeah, a lot of big names in this one. It made Huge forty names. million dollars. It made forty million dollars on a budget of eighty million dollars. So oof. Is that good. It's not. It's not great. Um, I'm gonna give you a quick review before we get into the film. Empire, Nick. We had an Empire review on the previous pod with Tin Cup. I'm gonna stick with it. This is from Emma Cochran. Quote. If you like them old-fashioned, well-acted, beautifully evocative, 
and put together with a gentle but assured touch of a man who understands cinema, then yes, and it still works, even if you hate golf. This movie does not work for me. Ashley, does it work for you? I loved it. Loved it? Loved, loved it, yes. Pulled the heartstrings, edge of my seat. Yeah, I, uh, you know, emotionally invested right away with the old man on the course, and then kept me on the edge of my seat the whole time, you know? Was he going to come back from being down 12 strokes? Could he do it? Is he going to get back Adele? I don't know. It was, it was unbelievable. Was he even going to play? I didn't even know that. I, I had a pretty good feeling he was going to play. I, I knew he was going to play. Um, it was fine. The movie was fine. I, you know, I'm glad I watched it. It was the first time I watched it. I probably wouldn't really recommend it to other people. Um, one of the things I liked about it is you got to feel the personalities of Bobby Jones and Walter Hagen a little bit. I mean, those are names that every golfer has heard of, but I just feel like we would have, we would know nothing about them other than their names if it weren't for this movie. So that was kind of cool, but all in all, it was fine. I didn't love it. Joe also, I, I gotta I gotta interject a little bit here. We we took some heat for our tin cup um, review <laughs> from who? A loyal listener, uh, Bill Myers. Oh, what did he, he say? To, he, he had to turn it off. He had to turn off the the pod. Why? It's tin cup is his all time favorite movie, and he just he just didn't think that we really understood it well enough to be giving that review. Okay, he was well, offended. Bill, he was offended. Here's the thing: a, don't be offended. B, if you like the film that much. Dare I say you identify a little bit too much with Roy McAvoy, which I think <laughs> involves a close look in the mirror to see why you enjoy that film so much. It's fine. It's a good movie. Some good cameos. But come on. Come on, bro. <laughs> I don't think we're going to take the same heat no matter what we say about Bagger Vance. Yeah, I don't think this is like a universally loved golf movie. The thing about it is it is a golf movie. Golf does occur, which is why it is something that we're talking about today. So, okay, here's how we're going to start it. I came up with like just a lot of random thoughts that I had. I figured I would just get those out there. We react to them and then we get to some of the categories. Is that okay? Yeah, let's do it. Ash. Yeah, yeah, I'm in. Okay. <laughs> General thoughts in the film. The first I have is has Robert Redford ever played golf? I don't think so. And I put this in my notes and the end, like the climactic scene where he calls this penalty on himself and everyone is telling him not to do it. And it's like this this decision that he makes, like, I'm going to do the right thing. That is so disconnected from a, an actual golfer because that wouldn't really be a decision. It was, it's just the expectation. It, it's not it's, – it's, incon- it's, 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 it's not even worth mentioning. It's just, oh, here's a penalty – you know, add it to my score rather it's rather than, well, did anybody see it? You could totally get away with it. What should you do? Ash, do you think that the person in charge of this film had a good handle on the game of golf? I have no, I don't know. You don't know? <laughs> I mean, maybe. I, I think you're overlooking, Nick. The bigger point is that his moral compass is back on the rails because before he was just sitting in a barn drinking himself away to nothing. And now he is doing the right things and it's a metaphor for his life. 
I mean, it was the Great Depression in South Carolina. Who wasn't sitting in a barn drinking themselves away? <laughs> well, that brings me to my next point. Well, you, um, have to, you have to give your opinion on that question. You can't just ask the question. Oh, Robert Redford doesn't know a damn thing about golf. Like, I, I, I found the what happened over the course of the 72-hole match between Matt Damon, Randolph Juna, Walter Hagen, and Bobby Jones was ridiculous. The fact that Juna was down 12, you're basically saying that, okay, over the final three rounds, he probably shot 67, 67, 67. Because it's not like Jones and Hagen were playing terrible. It's, oh, Randolph Juna turns from being a terrible golfer into being the best golfer in the world. Give me a break, especially with that golf swing. I'm not going to get into Matt Damon's golf swing right now, but the fact that I'm supposed to believe that that fool is a better golfer than the two best golfers of the first half of the 20th century, get out of town. Okay. <laughs> Next point to the Great Depression point. You know, we see a lot of scenes where there's a lot of fancy parties happening during the Great Depression. And I question Adele, Charlize Theron. I question her business skills. Her dad shoots himself during the Great Depression. It's sad. Um, but look, it happened. People took their own lives during the Great Depression. And uh, she's in charge of the business now. And the way she is going to make the golf course work is having this big fancy match between Bobby Jones, Walter Hagen, Randolph Juna. Great. Do we need to have a fancy cocktail party every single night where inordinate amounts of sums are being spent when Hardy's dad has to sweep streets and Randolph Juna flips out at Hardy in the locker room? Well, hey, Randolph, maybe you don't sip all this expensive-ass champagne at all these fancy parties. Maybe look at yourself in the mirror, see what's going on. That's just a thought I had. I don't know if you two okay, had any Joe, thoughts I on think. That. Yeah, I do. I think you have to tailor to the audience that you're serving. And so they're obviously tailoring to the upper middle class slash high class. And so those people all can afford it. And she's got to figure out a way to make it happen. And she's doing it. So I disagree. I think she is very entrepreneurial in here by making it happen and doing it in different ways. It didn't even occur to me. <laughs> didn't, didn't, I never even thought, oh, they're having this lavish parties during the Great Depression. No, didn't make twice. Okay, but Nick, when you host events, do you not have like a big cocktail hour to bring everybody together and get massive tips and all this stuff? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it makes sense. Yeah, you, yeah. You get, you're catering to the elite. Yeah. The whole purpose of this match is to showcase this golf course to the elite who are the ones who are still going to be able to take vacations and go on golf trips during the depression. So it, it makes sense from that standpoint. I have a very, it's not like it's all the locals who, who are, who are coming down there from South Carolina, just the local crowd going to these parties. It's, it's the people they're drawing in from around the country. The well, New Yorkers, uh, the Yankees. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with Charlize Theron because I actually really like her in this movie. I think she's good. Um, but I just have a note. Charlize Theron has an incredible selection of hats. Did we notice the hats she's wearing all throughout this film? They're extraordinary. On the golf course, off the golf course, they're covering her face where she's not being exposed to the sun. They're practical. They're stylish. And for being in the late 1920s, I give her a lot of credit. I was blown away. I mean, the only thing I'm questioning about her in the entire movie is her taste in men because she is not going to wait around for a washed-up golfer oh. to come back and 
win her heart. Give me a break. She's beautiful. She's an entrepreneur and she has it all. And you're telling me that this woman can't get somebody better than this washed up golfer who doesn't even talk to her after 10 years. That's my only uh, fault with her. That's my only fault. That is an extraordinary point. And I got to be honest, I didn't think it from that perspective, but you're a hundred percent right. She is at the peak of high society. She is gorgeous. She is highly intelligent. She's witty. She has everything going for her. She is her pick of anybody in the South and she waits for this D bag. I'm with you, Ashley. Give me a break. Thank you. I got to start taking these movies reviews more seriously. I, I didn't think any of this. Stuff. I just watched the movie and I'm like, all right, we're going to do a podcast. I got to start putting no thoughts in the context. relationship. I mean, love is love, man. Love knows no time. Okay. My next note is quite simple. It's just a question. Ready? Hardy sucks. Who sucks? Hardy. The little boy. Oh. No, he doesn't suck. Why does are he we, suck? Are we pro Hardy? Yeah, I'm pro Hardy. I mean, he makes he makes the movie definitely more interesting because, like, what is this little eight year old boy going to? Like, he he gets the local golf celebrity into. How old is Hardy? You know, he's eleven. He's totally. <laughs> that is the correct answer. He is eleven, eight years Thank old. You. He's eleven. Okay. And also, I thought one of the <laughs> best scenes was when he went into the back of the barn and was giving it to those guys drinking. Like, he was awesome. He's throwing some heat. I loved it. Yeah, that's baby Jack Lemon getting it done in the Great Depression. Him and his friends, like, climbing the tree to sneak a peek at this, like, whole whatever dog and pony show. And they're, they're maybe one of the most real parts of the movie is, like, that's how eight slash eleven year olds would would act with an event like this happening in their hometown for sure. Have I told you to the Jack Lemon story? No. Okay. So I have to do it. They had a uh, charity event, golf event in Portland for years and years and years. The Fred Meyer Challenge, run by Peter Jacobson, who we discussed in Tin Cup. What's up, Bill? Um, and Jack Lemon played in this tournament every time I came to Portland. Right. So I went. As a 11, 12-year-old boy, imagine Hardy out there in Portland. He's excited. He's seeing celebrities. He's seeing golfers. Jack Lemon, oh, oh my God. Two-time Academy Award winner Jack Lemon. Me as a 12-year-old, 11-year-old, love grumpy old men, love grumpy old men. I see Jack Lemon walking up one of the fairways, and I said, Mr. Lemon, can I have your autograph? And he said, sorry, young fella. Catch me after the round. Catch him after the round, I did. I found him <laughs> after the 18th green. I say, Mr. Lemon, can I have your autograph? And he said he was done for the day. He was done signing autographs. Jack Lemon snubbed an 11-year-old Joe Simons, and this movie came out like two years later. You think oh. I was happy to see Jack Lemon be the narrator oh. of this movie? No, I sure oh. wasn't. So I'm ready to let my grudge go. It's been 20-something years. Jack Lemon passed away, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. It's time for me to let it go. But when the movie came out, I had a real problem with Jack Lemon's presence in this film. Uh. Wow. Wow, that's incredible. I know. It's uh, it's Nick, it's my cross to bear. It would have okay. it would have taken him less time to just sign the damn autograph. Right? And yeah. now he's being smeared posthumously in a podcast. Yeah, which is true. Uh, but you know, that was a good story. So so selfishly I'm glad that you got snubbed twice by him. My next note, 
Walter Hagen tells a lot of jokes that don't make sense in this movie. Did you notice that? Well, Walter Hagen's trying to get off one-liners when he's at, like, when uh, Charlize Theron, when they're doing the big, like, parade. Mr. Bobby Jones has graduated from Harvard with a degree in law and this university and a degree in literature. And then gets to Randolph Juna, and she's like, oh, and all the squadron was tragically defeated. And then Walter Hagen gets off, like, a joke that doesn't make any sense. Then he makes a joke later when he hits the ball in the Atlantic Ocean about the Mermaids Union. I'm like, maybe this took place in 1929, but I don't understand it now. I like the Mermaids Union one. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, the only... So, Walter Hagen got off one line, which is kind of eternal, and I didn't hear it before this movie, but when Randolph Juna, Matt Damon, hits a good tee shot to start, I think the second round after he played terrible, he just goes... Even a blind squirrel finds an acorn every now and then, Bobby. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I said to Nick, I go, Nick, the, how it says now is even a blind squirrel finds a nut. And he, it, said, it was phrased a little differently. But, yeah, that's definitely the one. It's evolved yeah. over time. But can we, can we go back to your, what you just said, Joe? Was it really a shitty round that he played when he was 12 strokes back from the two best golfers in the country? Like, are we really saying it's shitty round? Like, That's a great question. He hasn't played golf in a long time, and then you're saying, oh, it's so shitty. But, like, realistically, it's pretty average to above average based on the competition. It's not unrealistic that he would be 12 or 13 strokes behind after one round. I mean, if, if those guys shoot 68 and he shoots 81 or 80, yeah. you know what I mean? It's not not out of the question. Yeah, I thank you for that question, Ashley. It's a good question. I agree with Nick. Uh, I think that for him to shoot 12 strokes behind Bobby Jones and Walter Hagen. It's a course they haven't really seen before. I figured they're probably one under par, about even par, because Charlize Theron makes a point about, you're playing so bad, these golfers can't play with you. You're making them play bad. And I've been working on my Charlize, by the way. Uh, I really think that he probably shot somewhere in the neighborhood of like 83, 84, which, look, for someone who smashes the ball like a Greek god, and has incredible touch around the greens. Yes, that is a terrible score for okay. someone with the okay. prowess of Randolph Judah. Okay. Joe, you you just led right into it. What's what's your take on the accents in this movie? Rate them on a on a one to ten scale. So, are we going to go beyond Charlize, Will Smith, and Matt Damon, or just want to do those three? Just just those three. Okay, I'll do Charlize Theron as a nine because she's amazing and really can do any accent i would put matt damon at an eight i really believe it and i'll put will smith at an eight i got a lot of problems with this movie the accents isn't one of them for me i thought the accents were horrible Mm. the whole time they were they were distractingly but yes they they were just like at no point if i walked in and i was from mars and i didn't know who these people were if i didn't know who will smith or matt damon were there is no chance I would believe that was their actual accent. Like sometimes you watch a show or a movie and somebody's got an accent and then you hear them do an interview and it's like completely not how they talk. And you're like, oh my God, I never would have known. It's the exact opposite. Like it, it was distracting to me. I think that's probably why I didn't pay attention to anything else in the movie is I was like, am I really supposed to believe these accents? Ashley, what do you think of the accents? I told Nick I just couldn't disagree more, so... They're good, right? I think they're great. Okay. A few more thoughts. 
Um, this is going to get pretty golfy, but you know the moment when Matt Damon in the final round, he has a two-stroke lead with four holes to go on the par five, and he's like, I'm going to get home in two and close the door on these two. And then he hits it into the fairway bunker. He dicks around, and he makes a bad score. On the next tee box, it shows Ranoff Juna down by three strokes. So what they are telling us is, because it was a tough hole, I'm going to assume both Jones and Hagen made a par. Well, they probably made a birdie. It was a par five. Great. They made a birdie, Nick. So let's you're telling me Ranoff Juna made a snowman on that hole? There is no way he made it. By what we saw, there is no way he made an eight on that hole. You know, I did, I did that quick math in my head when I was watching it. So yeah, he would have had to make an eight. So one into the bunker, two into the water. So he drops back into the bunker, three. He hits the lip of the bunker. So he's flying yeah. four in the bunker still. So then he gets out of the bunker five, up no. onto the green and six and two putts. No, that's wrong. So he Whoa. drove into the bunker. No, here's what happened. I okay. watched the score. Okay. He drove yeah. into the bunker. He hit the lip of the bunker. So he is still lying two in the bunker. He puts it in the water. So that means he's hitting his fifth shot from presumably 80 yards away. So you're telling me it took him three shots to get the ball in the hole from 80 yards? I don't think so, Robert Redford. You know nothing about golf. Fair enough. Either way. Ashley passed out. And I just disagree. I've been in that situation where I'm 80 yards away and I still hit a 20. So, you know. Ashley, Ugh. you didn't win the North-South Amateur. <laughs> You haven't won the Savannah Open three years in a row. But I have been hitting shots into the woods for a while now. Fair. Fair. You are experienced getting yourself out of adversity on the golf course and in life, much like Randolph Juna. So I have another issue with, with that scene now that we're now that we're on it. Get it. This whole scene <laughs> where he's in the bunker. I don't yeah. know why you're laughing. Okay. The movie is called The Legend of Bagger Vance. It's all about the caddy. First of all, the caddy doesn't even appear until halfway through the movie. So, not sure what's going on for the first half of the movie, why Bagger Vance isn't in it. So, you're this legendary caddy, and your guy's got a three-stroke lead, and four holes to play, and you're letting him hit driver into the bunker on this hole where he's got a chance to win the tournament, and then it's your time to step up and be a hero. All you have to do is convince your guy to lay up, get out of there, make par, keep his three-stroke lead. The movie is named after you. This is your time to do it. And he doesn't do it. So I, I think the name of the movie, The Legend of Bagger Vance, is criminal. Ashley, do you want to go? Because I have a lot to say on this. Uh, I mean, I don't necessarily understand the title of the movie as well but i also believe that a little bit about the the bunker shot and all that kind of stuff like people are going to be who they want to be and the caddy is a tool you use so if you decide to use the tool then that's it that is what it is but if you're not using the tool don't blame the caddy for that so i think you're blaming the caddy for something that you know is out of his hands well if the caddy's that's fine. If the caddy is just a tool that the golfer uses, then maybe the movie should be called The Legend of Juna, Richard Juna. <laughs> Randolph, Randolph Juna. Juna. <laughs> okay. 
My next point was going to be, is Bagger Vance a great caddy or a terrible caddy? Here are five reasons why he is a terrible caddy. He's Ready? A terrible caddy. Yes, let's go. Judah has a buried lie in the bunker. Bagger doesn't give him a club and acts like he doesn't know what golf is in a crucial situation early on in the match. Judah hits an approach shot into a bunker, and Bagger calls out, Beach! As the ball is in the air. <laughs> the start of the third round, he gives his player a new club on the opening tee. It is a very windy day and a club Juna has never seen before. The caddy, hey, I know you're trying to chase down Bobby Jones and Walter Hagen. Here's a new stick you've never seen before. Four holes to play. This is what Nick just said, but I have to reiterate. Four holes to play, a two-shot lead. His player is melting down in a fairway bunker, and Bagger not only says nothing, he tells Hardy, the four caddy, not to say anything either. It's like, boys, we could have had a three-shot victory if we just chilled out, laid up, pitched on, and taken care of business. But he tells him to not say anything. Hardy. To ran off Judah. Then, that's, not, that's not a time to teach someone a lesson. Nor is it with one half hole left in the match. Bagger Vance leaves before the match is even over. And he's walking down the beach, clicking his heels as if everything is wrong. Bagger Vance is not only a bad caddy. He is a terrible caddy. Terrible. Guys, I mean, I think you're missing the bigger point. He's leading Randolph to find himself, not to be the best caddy. He's being the best person. So he's learning to find himself again. That's the point of him, not to pitch a uh, sand shot out of the whatever beach or whatever that is. Ashley, do you think that Bagger Vance is a spirit of some sort? Um, I don't know, but whatever Will Smith would tell me, I would do. So He would tell you Scientology. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you would do? Hey, Nick. Nick, good luck, buddy. Oh, my God. Um, that's an interesting question because there was a point in the movie where I was like, wait a second, is Bagger Vance actually a ghost? Like, Is, is, is there going to be a point where... There, he actually never even existed. But then uh, when he was walking off the course in the middle of this round, someone's like, hey, where are you going? I was like, okay, well, he's not a ghost. So, yeah. What know. do you guys think of the judge character, the one who yells at him? You're never going to caddy in Georgia again. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's typical. Typical. You need one of those characters for sure. Yeah, he's he's with Hardy with me. Like he he just fits into the scene, into the into the uh, the setting of the movie pretty well. So I all for it. Uh, I thought I had to watch in this. You two, I miss Will Smith. I miss Will Smith. Will Smith doesn't make very many movies anymore, and when he does, they're kind of uh. But he has an exciting thing coming up, which I looked up. He is going to be in a movie called King Richard, and this movie is about Serena and Venus Williams. Oh man. But it's going to be focused on their father, Richard, of course, played by Will Smith. Wow, that's interesting. I want, yeah, Ashley. I'm I'm curious your thoughts on is that it movie, is it like a tiger story where it's about well, the father? I don't think I don't think Richard was as crazy as Earl, but I also don't think he was father of the year. He's somewhere in between those two. 
<laughs> there's a there's a large gap between Earl and Father of the Year. So, um, Ashley and I are in the middle of of watching the Bad Boy uh, trilogies. So, uh, hell yeah, yeah, it, should, it's a good one. The must see in these times for sure. Getting plenty of Will Smith. Um, okay, Bobby Jones, which um, was. The movie was on this morning, and Lacey was very interested in Bobby Jones. I think to quote, who's that man that's much more attractive than Matt Damon? (laughs) (laughs) I think Bobby Jones is the winner of this movie because he's smart, he's intelligent, he decides to leave golfing to spend more time with his family. Like, check, check, check. Find me a Bobby Jones. And you know what Bobby Jones did after this movie in real life? He built Augusta, the greatest golf course in the world. So I think he's doing okay. Yeah. Uh, Okay, but my thing about Bobby Jones in this movie, the greatest golfer in the first half of the 20th century, some, if you're like probably 80 and older, would argue he's the greatest golfer of all time. He decides to retire, not after the U.S. Open, the British Open, a great golf event. He decides to retire after an exhibition match with a scoundrel like Walter Hagen and some war deserter named Randolph Judah. I don't think that that's Bobby, what Bobby Jones would do. It's smearing his legacy, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a good point, because they make it a point to be such a high character. And then he's and that, that conversation in the locker room with Matt Damon, where he's like, you know, this is going to be my last, the last time I tee it up. Uh, and he's like, well, I, I don't really think I can let you win. And he's like, well, you know, I wasn't asking for that. But, like, what is he asking for, for that? And, like, what? Yeah, that, that makes absolutely no sense. It's very strange. Um, so this golf course, or the movie, rather, was played on uh, a Pete Dye golf course on Colleton River Plantation in Bluffton. And also the Ocean Course on Kiwa Island, which I believe a Ryder Cup has been hosted on. So... There and a, a PGA Championship recently, and another one coming up in 2021. Um, I'm going to move down a little bit. My next question, unless you two, did, Ashley, I feel like we're burying you right now. It's just it's you and Jack. You've you've now switched your position. Um, do you have sort of like a prevailing thought or overarching thing you want to say about this movie? Because when we were texting about it, I said out of five. What did you give it? And you said 10 out of 5. So I need to know what that means. I need you to really hammer home what you enjoyed about this movie so much. Um, I enjoyed that a female figure, what I personally believe was the strongest character in the movie, and I thought she brought home the show, so I really appreciate that. And I also thought it was a 10 out of 5. If you suspend your disbelief and look beyond all the little nitpicking details and, like, Walter Hagen hitting from the middle of the ocean and the shot. I don't even know how he did that, but Ooh. by the tide, um, I I just think it's it's great. And he does learn a lot of lessons. And I also feel like it hits home. Like I was I was emotional. I, I was crying. It it provoked so much out of me. So yeah, I agree. And any and any movie with Will Smith gets a at least eight out of ten. I this is a ten out of ten. Ashley, what are your feelings about The Pursuit of Happiness? Have you seen that movie? Oh, yeah, it's great. Oh, my God. Also a heart-wrencher. Unbelievable. Yeah. That, that one will make you cry. Yes. Um, Nick, do you have any overarching thoughts like Ash, or should we continue on with the categories? Or unless Jack has anything to say, because he is really stealing the show in that three box that I'm looking at on Skype. Gorgeous cat. 
I, I've got a few more points I can make, but uh, I'll make them as we as we go down this this rundown. Nothing nothing else that stands out that much. Okay, well, I'm going to get to the best golfer in this movie, and I think it's pretty clear that it's a two horse race. Unless you two have another opinion, I think it's between Walter Hagen and Bobby Jones. I agree with that. How how insightful! Thank you, thank you. <laughs> I would vote Bobby Jones. Now, wait a minute. Are you voting Bobby Jones because he's a better dude or a better golfer? Better dude, better looking, checks all the boxes. I vote Bobby Jones. She, we're, we're watching this movie, and, and Ashley's like, okay, wait, what am I going to rate it on? Best looking golfer, worst looking golfer. And I'm like, no, no. Best looking has nothing. It's not your high school yearbook. There's no awards for best looking. Best looking golfer, though, or what? No, no. Well, it's the same answer if it's best looking or best golfer. <laughs> it's Bobby Jones for sure. But I will say this. I uh, personally, I want to be Bobby Jones. But I also want to be Walter Hagen. You know what I mean? I kind of want to mm. balance of the two. If you're well, Bobby Jones, <laughs> you're drinking a glass of warm milk before you go to bed. If you're Walter Hagen, you're having a threesome the night before the end of the PGA Championship. Like, those are the opposite ends of the spectrum. I want a nice balance in between those two. I just feel like everybody at some point in their life is Walter Hagen and then grows into Bobby Jones. Isn't that the, the real goal? <laughs> I couldn't. That's poetry. <laughs> I think we found the pull quote for this podcast. You killed Ashley. Ashley is about to die on the couch. So are we in violent agreement that the best golfer of the movie is Bobby Jones? Yes. Ash, you good? Oh, she, she says left. yes. Yes. Okay. She, she uh, I think she's coming up here to bring my neck, but yeah, yes. <laughs> the worst, the worst. Ashley, here's what we're discussing now. We've moved on to the worst golfer of the movie. And welcome back. I've got I've got one hot answer for you. It's it's Matt Damon or Renoff Juna. I don't care if it's fictional or real. Mm. Matt Damon. I enjoy Matt Damon. I think he's a fine American actor. When he's in a movie, it's probably going to be better than if he was not in that movie. But my God, how much time did they give him to become a golfer before this movie started filming? That swing is broke AF, yo. It's terrible. What about the little boy? Yeah, that's my answer. It's Hardy. Um, we Wait, see him hit. What? We see him hit one shot in the movie, and he shanks it off the tree and hits into this foursome. On the yeah. Oh, it, it, it's, I'm sorry, well, I don't he, agree with that, Damon, with that take, but it's Hardy, man. And also, who misses that many putts in a row until your eyes are closed? Give me a break. That was probably un just so unbelievable. So Hardy is the worst golfer in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Did someone switch audio? Audio sounds yeah, weird. Ash now. Ashley, turn off the fan on the fireplace. Is that what's happening? <laughs> okay, I'll do that. Oh, we're going to leave this in. Okay, so I, I just have to ask this question because it was something that occurred to me. How long did it take them to play the last hole in this tournament? Because <laughs> when these boys tee off, they're like, oh, what are we going to do? We can barely see. That sun is fine. The sun that they show on the 18th tee, that is a 40-minute sun. They have 40 minutes to play that hole. And mm -hmm. by the time they get to the fairway, it is pitch black, brother. Like, you have to get cars to line the fairways, to get the green, to see everything that's going on. I can that's understand 
Walter Hagen has to get down to his ball and be a weirdo, but <laughs> that's a long-ass time. That, that's the same question I actually asked, because they're making this big deal, like, guys, okay, we're going to play. And then they hit their tee shots, and it's pitch black. And she's like, wait a second, is it the same day? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I've never seen it get dark that quick ever. <laughs> and I, I've been around a lot of uh, a lot of twilight rounds. So, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. That one's a little, that one's a little tough for me. Ash? I don't know. I think it's uh, maybe the amount of time he decides to call the penalty or not, but not 100% sure. He also might have ran off into the woods and was making out with uh, Charlize. So, who knows? Okay. I'm going to depart for a second because the relationship between Matt Damon and Charlize Theron is like an essential part of this film. This movie is described as a comedy drama, which is interesting to me because it's a drama primarily. And I feel like the comedy components based on the music we hear is supposed to be when Charlize Theron enters because it's always like it was the same beats every time it was Randolph and Adele would have a conversation sort of like off away from everybody. And it would start out very serious. And then like screwball music would come in at the end, like womp, 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 womp. It's like, what are we, is this like a real relationship or is this a joke? I don't really know what I'm supposed to believe. So I didn't really understand the purpose of the relationship in the sense that are we supposed to think that Ranoff Juna wants to get Charlize Theron back because that will return him to a former self? Or are we supposed to think that he wants to be with Adele because that means that he has now progressed beyond his war demons and he is a new version of Ranoff Juna? I couldn't reconcile those two. No, we're supposed to believe that he's a new person. That's the whole point is that you're not going to be who you were before. You need to be your new self. So stop trying to chase your old self. Like you need to accept that you've gone to war. Everybody around you died. You came back like there's some serious baggage. And now you are you have to accept that you're a different person. The baggage of Vance. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Ashley, do you agree with your husband's take? I just think the whole love story is so unbelievable because I don't think that Adele should be settling, and that's just my take on it all. Right. I see that. That's what I come back to as well. Like, what is Matt Damon bringing to the table other than being Matt Damon? Like, he's not Matt Damon in this movie. He's Randolph Judah. I just don't get what that dude does for Adele when Adele is. Find me a bigger catch in Savannah. I don't think you're going to find her. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Back back to your point about it being a comedy. Please. Just real quick, Walter Hagen is the funniest character in this movie. Yeah, Walter <laughs> Hagen, the guy, and it's funny because if you look up, so the actor Bruce McGill is like a character actor. He's a million movies. By the way, uh, sorry, quick departure from the departure. I looked up Hardy. This was the only thing that kid ever appeared in. He never appeared in a TV show or a movie ever again or before. This is the only thing. You know what we call that? <laughs> a fucking career ender. How about that? First F-bomb on At The Turn, and I think it was worth it. Okay, but he got to be in a movie with Will Smith, so well worth it. Ashley, you're saying that as if I'm not going to be in a movie with Will Smith. I got a long life ahead of me. We don't know where the road's going to take me. I feel like Will Smith is the Ricky Fowler of golf, so... 
I think that if you are on a course or in a movie with either one of those two, like that's that could be the end of the road for you. You know, that's my opinion. Oh, are you? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Can we get your quick 20 second Ricky Fowler take? I love Ricky. That's a five second take. Yeah, we all do. I'm team Ricky. I don't know why your husband is so anti Ricky. Are you on him about this? Because Nick thinks he's just a commercial actor and I think he's a golfer. Uh, I think Nick is just a little insecure about him. So, <laughs> uh, I just am done believing Ricky Fowler as a top tier professional golfer. What does that mean, a top tier professional golfer? Do you think he's one of the uh, best 50 golfers in the world? 50, yes. 10, 5 to 10, no. Yeah, bro, he hasn't won a major this year, so he's not in the top 10 of the world, but he will soon. If none of this was going on, Ricky would have a major by now. Oh, see? It's it's coronavirus related. Hey, yeah. don't do you guys, like, are you disgusted by people that call coronavirus Roni? Have you seen that? I have never I heard that. The first, you're the first person that, that I've heard say it. That, so Yeah, I don't like it. it by you. Hey, <laughs> thank you. That's the correct answer. The most unrealistic shot of this movie, this is my favorite category. I think uh, Ashley foreshadowed it earlier, but Walter Hagen hooks it into the gall darn Atlantic Ocean, and uh, he fires up a heater. He's got the knickers rolled up even farther. And he hits a three iron to 40 feet. I got to give him credit. A lot of gusto to basically say, hey, can you tend the flag? They'll get a kick out of that. And he hits it to 40 feet. Uh, that's a tough shot. I don't think he pulls it off. I think it's unrealistic. It well, is I easily the most unrealistic shot in the movie. Not only the shot, but they, they pan over to where the ball lands. And it's at this perfect high spot on the sand with like, Maybe one square yard of, of just enough for the ball to be there and him to be able to hit the shot. If it was anywhere else in the ocean, he doesn't even find it. But it's just sitting up nice and perfectly on top of this one little high spot in the sand. And the tide is there just perfectly. No, absolutely the most unrealistic shot. Not even the shot he hits, but the fact that he can go there and it's just sitting right there. Ashley, this is where you give your opinion. Well, I just feel like whenever I look for my ball and it's a poor shot, I can never find it. So the fact that he could find this ball is so unrealistic. Like, it's just out of control. I think I can find a ball and then I can't find it. And then all of a sudden he finds this ball in this little island that doesn't even exist. It's just pish posh. Uh, Nick, if we can get some Seinfeld music behind that. It's like, <laughs> I look for my ball. I can't find my ball. Yeah, I, I that was, that was I, I can't wait till we get to the most unrealistic shot in Happy Gilmore. <laughs> oh, it's coming. Um, that was all I have. The last thing I have is my movie score. Do you two have any other thoughts on this movie? It sucks, right? Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say it sucks. Like, I didn't watch it and feel like it was a waste of time. I'm glad I watched it. Like you said, it's a golf movie. Um, but I don't think I'll watch it again. No, it's not great. I have a score for it. Are we ready, ready to give the scores? Wait, Ashley, can I just, give can I, just I just want to ask one question. Um, since I'm really big about results and um, who wins things, can we yeah. explain yeah. what happens we at the end? They all have a t 
tiebreaker? Like, do they each get 10,000? Do they have to split 10,000 three ways? Like, I just want to clarify what happens in that situation. It's the Great Depression. Like, everybody needs that money. So can we clarify what exactly happens? That's a great question that we can't really answer. I would say this. I think because the event was so great and it was probably written about in all the newspapers, I think Walter Hagen and Bobby Jones get sort of an intrinsic value with that event, right? Not literally getting $3,333, a third of the share of the total prize. I think they get so much positive publicity of it that that is their value. That is the money they get. Randolph June is the same way. That $10,000 goes into the golf course. The golf course is on its last leg. We're trying to find a way to bring this baby up. I think they all decide to donate their funds to the golf course, to Adele, Matt Damon, Charlize Theron, get married because she settled Ashley, and that's just what happened. The fact that this 72-hole match between three players ends in a three-way tie, not buying that. Absolutely not buying that. Wait, what would you do? Well, we we have recent history with Tiger and Phil, and they played freaking under the lights from from literally from the putting green to a makeshift hole on the 18th hole to settle this match, which was probably even worse. But so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Are you, are you really comparing a real match between Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson in 2018 to the fictional match between Randolph Juno, Bobby Jones and Walter Hagen in 1928? Joe, there are so many parallels. How can you not? (laughs) First of all, Two of the generation's iconic golfers in this exhibition match made for hype and publicity that ends in a tie for 10 fill-in-the-blank dollars. Ooh. I see the connection now. See? Ashley sees it. Ah, uh, this is... It took... How long did it take? It took 49 minutes but I'm getting some married couple energy right now from the Skype chat. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. You guys agree for the first time. We have to wind this down now. So can we give it a score? I feel like I want to save Ashley's score for last because I feel like it's going to be like a 58. Nick? 10. <laughs> no, wait. I, Nick, wait. Yeah. Did you explain how the, the, the scoring works? Yeah, she should know. It's a golf score. You give it a score you know, that you would score on a round of golf. The, the I lower, would score the, the lower the better. Par well, is no. seventy-two. I'll <laughs> tell you what, Ashley. Nick, Nick, Nick will go first. I will go second, and you will okay. go third. And I bet okay. you understand okay. the premise by the time okay. we get to you. Okay, okay. I give it a seventy-eight. It's over par. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> it's over par. It's not going to win any awards, but it's 78. respectable. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I mean, that sounds pretty good to me. Six, six over par. Yeah. Wait a minute. What did you give Tin Cup for comparison? Even par. Okay. 72. 78. I'm, I'm just surprised by that because I, I feel like you like this movie more than I did. And I thought I was being sort of cruel by the score I gave. I gave it a five over par 77. It's about golf. It's a movie that has golf in it. And there's some fun stuff in there. There's some hijinks. Will Smith. Interesting role. There's some problematic elements about it that probably three white people shouldn't talk about, but it's an interesting movie. Golf is in it. It's fine. I gave it a 77. 
Matt Damon's swing is an abomination. And frankly, for a dude who was able to pull off like a rugby bro in Invictus like 10 years later, I'm a little bit embarrassed for him that he couldn't figure out a better golf swing. He's a millionaire. Give me a break. Um, I would rate it par because par is average. But I, for me, what? that would be... Okay, so par is like what you should shoot. So I think, to me, this movie is par... So 72, because to me, that's phenomenal. So if I'm going on my own score, like, great. I shoot 120. 72, phenomenal. So that's what I rated a 72. No, I dig that. That's great. 120. So you probably beat Nick then. Every once in a while, a blind <laughs> squirrel finds a nut. Oh, oh, let's wrap it on that note. Legend of Bagger Vance. The second in the golf movie fivesome. Ashley, do you think you're going to join us for another one of these? We got three more to go. Uh, depends on if I'm still married or divorced after this. Uh, well, maybe you'll be married to someone new by then, and then you guys could do it from a separate house, and the internet will be better. I'm going to pull on awesome. Adele and find uh, my long-lost love. So, Adele. Can either of you even take a guess at her last name in this movie? I couldn't even tell you the letter it starts with. No. No chance, right? I I looked it up on IMBD. It's like out of my own I I think it's I. Um, okay. I want to ask one more question. I'm glad I thought of this. Who was the most southern person in this movie? What character was like, holy shit, that guy is southern? The governor. What 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 is it? What is him? What do they call him? The, the judge. judge. The judge. I think it's the judge too. Ash, do you have a weird one? No, I was just trying to find Adele's last name, um, but I I don't have any feedback just, on that. Just Google search Adele. It should pop right up. I think that anyone named Adele doesn't have a last name because could you tell me? I, feel, I, I bet I could walk out of my house and from a safe social distance ask all of my neighbors, what is Adele the pop star's last name? And oh, it them- is. It's Inver. It's Inver Gordon. So I was right. It starts with an I. Oh my God! Bonus points for Ashley. I get invited uh, to another week. All right. That means Ashley is going to be on. So I'm trying to think, Nick. The three we have left. Of the three we have left, I would predict Ashley would either be on for Happy Gilmore or The Greatest Game Ever Played. I can't see Ash sitting through Caddyshack. That's that's just my opinion. Well, I think she's already watched Greatest Greatest Game Ever Played. And I, I can't see her watching that again. Caddyshack, I think she's just got to. It's just it's just kind of – Ashley and I are going to be members of a uh, golf course this year. And I think it's kind of like a rite of passage. Like you need to watch what Caddyshack. Year? Wait a minute. What year are you guys going to be a member of a golf course? This this year. 2020? 2020. Yeah. It opens April 1. I wish you <laughs> – April 1? Well – you may want to check the email list. I don't no, know if the golf course is going to open April. 1. I just got a, no. I just saw a, a text, a, a Twitter notification that says the Delaware um, State Golf Association, Philadelphia, no, the Delaware governor, Delaware governor issued a stay-at-home order, but golf courses received an exemption. Yeah, they're encouraging golf. If you play, okay. safe, it's social play distancing golf. for sure. Can we have just some don't real get talk a cart? Right just yeah. don't get a cart. I'm going to have some real talk, and I'm going to expose myself perhaps as a hypocrite on the podcast. I've golfed five times this week. Yeah. As you should. 
The golf courses are open. We have a local muni, Rose City. They have signs and all the flags. Do not touch the flag stick. The cup is raised. So it is still like a golf cup. It'll lip out more often, but they have it situated in a way where you don't touch the flag stick. They've removed all ball washers. I go out with the same foursome every single day, and it's like, I asked these guys in the 18th tee, do you feel guilty about playing golf? And we all kind of said, yeah, we feel a little Why? bit guilty. Because so there's such a big gray area right now. I just don't really know if I see people being so adamant about staying home. And we are home. I haven't gone to work in over a week. But when you go out to the golf course, you feel as though you are away from everybody. I'm not touching anyone. I'm not yeah. in close contact with anyone. It's not like, like we went to the grocery store yesterday. If I didn't catch COVID-19 from those unwashed fools, I don't know where I'm going to catch it. The golf course feels like one of the safest places you can be right now. But there's still a measure of guilt. I don't know. What do you two think about it? I, I think, think that – wait, can I take this? Um, so uh, California is in an in-shelter situation, correct? And one of the things that you can be out of shelter for is exercise. So to me, if a form of social distancing where you're not touching people, where you're staying away from somebody, especially if you're a shitty golfer and you're always in the trees, then it's, it's golf. You're away from everybody <laughs> completely in the middle of nowhere for four hours. Yeah, I I get that it can be a bad look that you're everyone's saying stay home and then but but you can still play golf. I get that it's a bad look, but really if you take it seriously and don't touch the flag stick, you don't shake hands with your partners, you know, you, you keep your distance, you don't ride in a cart with somebody, um I th I think it should be encouraged. I mean, I I I want our golf course to open so I can go play. Uh, I think it'd be a great way to kind of and everyone's locked up in their houses like you need that escape and you can do it safely. And that's the thing is all the golfers, like everyone's taking wide berths around each other. It's like when there's narrow walkways, we all take the longest route possible and no one is doing like a handshake. Like the elbow, elbow is so last week. We're doing the kid and play. We're doing the, you know, <laughs> you bang the foot. And I got to say, even when we abolish this coronavirus, whenever it is, we should stick with the foot. The kid and play is a really good way to say what's up to somebody. Never tried it. Ash, is that a White Claw? What flavor is that? Uh, the only flavor there is, Black Cherry. Well, there is other flavors, but the only flavor you should drink. I had four different flavors today. I had uh, a pink grapefruit, I had a lemon, I had a mango, and then I had a watermelon. And the watermelon so... is not good unless it's your fourth White Claw of the round. So why didn't you have any Black Cherry? You know, maybe I didn't look closely enough at the selection that was available, but shout out to my guy, Dane, who brought a 12-pack. And I wasn't going to drink, but then I three-putt the first four holes, and I was like, well, I'm going to drink now. So Nick, how Nick. you? I had a 20-foot okay. eagle putt, and guess who made par today? Guess who made oh, par? Joe. This guy. Joe, you are saying that you three-putted, and you think that he yeah. hit an eight on a hole was unrealistic? Like, Here's oh, my thing. God. Here's the thing. If you're trying to question me, I would take Matt Damon's ass down on the golf course, okay? I would destroy that fool. Do you think that uh, Beggar Vance, a.k.a. Will Smith, is a good golfer? That is you an don't excellent even know. Question. I'm so glad you asked that. Beggar Vance would have beaten all those guys because we see Will Smith take one swing, and he bashed that club like a monster. Will Smith, by the way, I think is a scratch golfer. Really? I'm fairly certain 
He's like Sam Jackson in the sense that mm. he like writes it into his like movie contracts that he can be close to a golf course. <sighs> what a play. Just check that box off again for Will All Smith. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, this is this has been fun. This <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I just have Bobby Jones image searches on my uh Nick, uh Precision Pro. Do you have anything to say about it? Well, I can't wait to get out on the golf course and uh, <laughs> dial it in with some Precision Pro. Guys, if, if you're listening this far, minute 58 of this podcast, go to precisionpro.com. Get yourself a rangefinder. <laughs> Promo code at the turn. You're going to save 20 bucks on regular price or $10 on sale rangefinders. Promo code at the turn. Go do it. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Sale rangefinders doesn't sound very good. <laughs> hey. Get these used rangefinders over no, at Precision Pro. Just on no, sale. Top of the line. They're brand new. Ashley O'Brien Heidelberger approved. Ashley, what was your middle name before you married Nick? Elizabeth. Elizabeth. That is Lacey's middle name. Holy cow. Kindred spirits. Let's end the podcast on that. Just in case the listeners didn't know, I married these two. I presided over their wedding. It's important for you to know this. I love both of you. Thank you so much, Ashley, for joining hey, us. You're welcome Joe, back wait, anytime. Quick, quick question. Is is Lacey ever going to come on? You know, I asked her about coming on to discuss Bobby Jones, and she said, well, just know I'm going to be making chili, which I understood very easily as don't ask me to come on the podcast. <laughs> so I think that she'll – I'm going to make her watch the greatest game ever played. I think she has a secret crush on Shia LaBeouf. Um, so – I'm excited for her to bring her on for that. It's a good film. I think we, we should do it next, Nick, because yeah. honestly, it's it's a Caddyshack Happy Gilmore for the one-two. It has to be. It has to be. It's, it's the greatest game ever played one week from now. Let's do it. Ash. Thanks for having us. me. Appreciate it. Great pleasure. Jack, thank you as well for joining us. The gorgeous cat that was there. The Fireplace fan, thank you for making a cameo as well. We appreciate you. And if you are still listening, we have... Uh, we haven't really eclipsed the hour mark because there's some editing in there for some bad audio. But the important thing is you stuck with us. I've now had an entire maker's mark. I love you all so much. Both of you, the Heidelbergers in Connecticut? Mass. Close. God. I'll get it right next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time at The Turn.